Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Hey, friends. All right, so I'm at this event for The Atlantic called People v. Cancer earlier uh, last year, like end of 2022. And I'm, I'm, I'm chatting with some friends at a table there, and uh, this kid just sits down. I was like, is anyone sitting here? I was like, I don't know, help yourself. I love the moxie. I love the chutzpah. Like just some guy that I say kid. <laughs> He's like 30. And he just sits down. My name is Ben. I'm a cancer survivor. I'm here to learn more. And the woman I'm sitting across from says to him, like, don't you know who this is? And down the rabbit hole, Ben went because he met me and I know everybody. And and it was a privilege to throw him off a cliff of advocacy and say, here's what you're doing. Great guy. He is in the the money business. He's a finance guy. He's been doing that his whole life. But what he did with his cancer story and paying it forward is is astonishing. He's launched a venture capital fund exclusively to fund startups in the cancer delivery and health tech sector. Wild. I've never seen this before. It's absolutely fascinating. So he's here in studio. Ben Freeberg. Enjoy the show. Ben Freeberg, more Jews, just what we need here on the show. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. How you doing? All is good. It's good to be here. You have, I, I envy your hair. I mean, this that's, is the radio. They have no idea what you look like, yeah. but that's some good hair. I really appreciate it. What are you like? Are you 30? How old are you? 29. Yeah, so enjoy it. Thank you. It I've goes, been bald once. It goes away. That's true. <laughs> well, we're going to get to that. <laughs> you know, there was an old joke, you know, back when cancer, cancer humor started i'm gonna be old now in like the late 90s when mm-hmm. cancer funny became yes. a thing it was all driven by like well we're geezers now as gen Xers, but we were you know our 20s in the late 90s and we're like fuck it we're gonna be funny and we don't care and there was a website called planet cancer mm-hmm. which was started by my friend heidi adams and she had ewing sarcoma uh and she just decided oh, fuck that, i'm gonna be funny yeah and she made these top 10 lists of why it's great to be uh, a cancer survivor in your 20s, like, all the money you save on product. <laughs> it's not a bad deal. She had t-shirts, like, Planet Cancer, just like Animal Planet, except different. <laughs> a bit, right? <laughs> Less air. Yeah, that's right. So I, I just want to get into, like, as a stand-up comic, right, getting cancer, when did it become funny? Or was it in, so inane at the start with your Hummus for Cancer story? We'll get to that. Yes. So there was one defining moment where I was about two-ish weeks into chemo and the oncologist came in and was walking through everything 
I needed to know for my treatment. And he said, you have to follow the specific diet. And I was like, is there anything I could research and look up for best practices? And he's like, yeah, you could just Google pregnant woman diet. And that's what you're following to a T. So all I know about that is no alcohol. No, no alcohol, no raw fish. So no sushi, no mimosas. So I don't know how basic white girls deal with pregnancy. The pregnant or, woman chemo diet. Yeah, or cancer, right? That's your book waiting to happen. <laughs> I have a whole list of titles on my <laughs> on my notes. One of so one of the funniest jokes that I tell based on what I went through, and I've been very public about this because it's it's just so inane. Yeah. Is that after my brain surgery on January 10th? By the way, twenty seven years cancer free as of last week as of this taping. Whoa! So it's a good week for me. Happy Amazing. to be here. I'm five years last week as well. Good. Look for you. Yeah. Look for you? No, yeah. look at you. Sure. Kyle's gonna <laughs> Kyle's my producer. He'll fix it in post production. Amazing. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when you uh when the flight attendant says, you know, have a safe flight. Yes. You too. Or yeah. like, enjoy. Bye. Enjoy. <laughs> Not normal. Anyway. So after my surgery, and this is like Chernobyl, cut your head open, like old school, like torture chamber brain surgery. I'm in neuro ICU. And I'm on like a morphine drip. Clearly, like they, they take your body offline back then. Yes. And true story, I was extubated in the middle of the night. And for some reason, I was like kind of hazy, dizzy in the middle of the night. And, and I heard, whoosh, and the curtain pulled back of my little neuro ICU, you know, little, little zone there. And there was a priest with a Bible standing at the end of my bed. So here I am, 21 years old, <laughs> barely out of neurosurgery, yeah. staring at this priest thinking, great. Yeah, if morphine doesn't help, this priest will But help. my response to him, just my, my, my visceral response was, I'm Jewish. <laughs> you got the wrong Because I rasped. I was rasped. I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. And he went away. Yeah. I mean, I guess in, uh, uh, so. The punch up here is, of course, oh, I, yeah. At least give me a cracker. I'll take anything I can get. <laughs> yes, I'll take the cracker. Whatever. That's uh, when I was going through it. My so Jewish family. Yeah, and Freeberg my, gives it away. Yeah, exactly. Benjamin Freeberg. <laughs> yeah, Jake is the middle name. So you got an Benjamin Jacob Freeberg. So my grandma. What if? It was the whole idea of what if we're wrong? Like, what if Jewish isn't the right mm. religion? So she went to all of her other friends of all of these different religions, and everyone prayed for me in their own temples. And that was probably what did it. Probably what got me better in terms of the chemo and the surgeries. It was the army of people praying. Well, there's there's um, you know there's a book called Love, Medicine, and Miracles from the 1980s by Dr. Bernie Siegel. It was mm. one of the first surgical oncologists who were trained in allopathic medicine that started to believe in mind-body. Yeah. And the power of energy. Totally. Prayer is energy. doesn't matter who you're praying to. It's just energy in the universe. Yeah. I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the show before. But my cousin, he passed away a while ago, brain cancer, different than me, was a rabbi. And he married my wife and I, but he was in rabbinical school when I got sick. Mm -hmm. And he led a minion at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem during my surgery. Oh, whoa. Nice. You can't get any closer to whatever God means than yeah. that. Yeah. That's so right. I don't know why I'm here. We don't know why we're here, but we're here. Yeah. All right. So uh, so testicular cancer. Yes. Not always the, you know, the good cancer per se, mm -hmm. but, you know, it's not the worst. It's not the best, not a contest, but your masculinity was challenged or was it not? So, so to the first point, my oncologist did say if you were to get one and pick one cancer off the shelf, this is 
the one to pick in the terms least of it, worst the least worst exactly so i did feel good about that i didn't feel that really yeah i really don't think anything i think there was like a little bit of time where you're debating whether or not you get a prosthetic mm-hmm. and i decided against it because it's just putting another foreign thing in your body and i really don't think women can tell the difference and people don't know what to do with them so well, you only need one like a kidney yeah exactly who needs two yeah and i did the whole you do the whole like sperm banking thing. did i tell you or you found it out by yourself oh it was one of the first things they good they tell you yeah we fought for that for years in the 2000s to mandate a conversation with young adults in their fertile years it doesn't always happen it's unbelievable yeah the fights yeah. like like Treat us based on our age first. Yes. I'm not I'm not Tony Randall. I'm yeah. having kids at 77, but I don't care. Yeah. Like, and I'm not three. <laughs> yeah. The things we had to fight for, that's a good fruit to yield that you're telling me this. Yes. We like to know that that all of our efforts ain't been in vain for nothing. Yes. Well, I appreciate you. <laughs> so so ha- have you done stand-up since you were sick? That, I mean, Tig Natara was very open about when she got sick and went on stage. Totally. What's your routine like if you refer to cancer? So I did, I remember there was one show I did during it um, while I was going through chemo. Were you bald? I was super bald and it was really, really interesting. Wait, what is super bald? <laughs> like it was, it was right after, so you know how your hair starts to fall out? Right, right. And then it starts to hurt actually. Mm-hmm. And so I went and got it shaved. Right. And so the second day after that, I went and did. Like Albino Ben. Oh, it was. I have, a, I'll show you a photo. Okay. There's a photo because I'm, for the listeners, I'm not very tan. And so I was taking a photo. I go with pasty. <laughs> Handsome pasty. Oh, I like that. So I had a photo of me bald with a white wall behind. And you can't, you can't, you can't see where my head ends and where the wall starts. And that is, that was pretty good. I actually included one of those photos in my deck for my company, just to like put everything into perspective. So like your where's Waldo was already there. Right. <laughs> exactly. So what was the joke? What was the routine? What was the bit? Oh my God. So I have probably now 15 solid minutes of cancer material. Wow. I've done a few um, benefits. I did one for crack up cancer down in Tampa. Um, I just did uh, Mount Sinai's gynecological cancer holiday party. That sounds so fabulous. <laughs> they, they reached out to me saying- Did you date, wind up dating someone with like one ovary? Um, no, but it was the gig where I got um, offered to be set up on the most dates afterwards. Very so it was, nice. It was a woman to women holiday party. All the entire audience was gynecological cancer patients, survivors, and their staff, all female, featuring me. As the stand-up, lots of estrogen replacement (laughs) therapy happened in there. Exactly. Sorry, I had to make the joke, guys. I had to make the joke. (laughs) So that was fun to write for. So, so we met by absolute total chaotic happenstance. Yes, I was at an event (laughs) because grammar matters. It was the it was the event of me at event (laughs) for the Atlantic, and I was just having a bite with a colleague of mine, and you know, you just had, can I sit down? Like, is anyone sitting here? No one does that. Who does that? You're a mensch. You just like like to talk to people. Have a seat. And then like we we jewed up really quick. Yeah. And then you're like, you know, I'm launching a venture fund in in Canada. Like, okay. Like these these have been fomenting ideas for a very long time. No one Mm -hmm. really had uh, sort of the capability of doing that because Mm -hmm. 
you know, you work in oncology, you work in cancer, you don't do it for money. You're broke. Mm-hmm. You know, nonprofit leaders and, you know, we're just doing it because it, 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 you know, not for the glory. Yes. You know, we want to pay our rent, of course, and whatnot, but just the, the pipe dream yes. of there being a cancer survivor-led VC fund solely focused on the things that other VC funds kind of don't give a shit about or mm-hmm. have horse blinders for. I mean, you kind of built your career in the money business, as my dad would say. <laughs> I mean, was that by choice or did you like major in, I don't know, like horseback riding or something? <laughs> so a little bit of everything. And then I will say one of the main reasons I came and sat down next to you guys was there was a whole string of people that were all oh, were... It looked like having a nice time, but you guys were hysterically laughing oh, yeah. about something. And I was like, out of all the ways to spend the, the kind of lunch I go with the there. people looking like they're having a good time. <laughs> exactly. Well done. And so, yeah, I started, I, I always knew ever since I was in college that the entrepreneurial bug was a real thing. And I always knew I wanted to start something at some point. And how do you build the base skill set? to end up supporting that. So did the investment banking thing, which I did not last mm-hmm. very long doing that. That was not a, it, it was very interesting and very helpful for training, but led me to my career in venture and then started to specialize more and more in healthcare. Yeah, and, and you know, no one asks to get sick, but yet this has been a catalyst to, so, so where did you first get the idea that there should be one of these? And I ask because when we met, you had no experience with the community. Yeah. You didn't know the right people. This is not a not a not a Shonda thing. Yeah. But I, I, I like, like how is it possible you don't know this? We spent all these years trying to make sure you do know about this. Yes. I'm over that now because it's not possible for everyone <laughs> to know about this stuff. I'm glad we're over that. You know, it's just not possible. It's yeah. not possible. But to that extent, I felt so um, gratified. Yes. To be this this Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole. Yeah. Because I finally get to tell somebody all the shit we did and here's the people. 100%. So did it, did it take you by surprise to learn that there's this whole universe of young adult advocates for 20 plus years? It, it's amazing. And that's and so so many of the different, uh, different pieces that go into this is I, I didn't understand the amount of time I'm going to have to spend on education. And it really is. It's, it's helping ensure that other folks are aware of all of the issues in cancer care, unless you personally went through it or you have someone close to you that unfortunately is going through it or went through it, you think of cancer as this, oh, it's cancer care, of course it's the best and everything is perfect because it's cancer care, how can it not be? And then you go through the system and you're like, oh my God, there are so many different parts of this process that are so broken based on incentive structures, things like, we should be detecting cancer way earlier. People aren't following evidence-based medicine because of 20 different reasons that we can go into. And that shocks people because that's also, I think, the gap. Does it really shock people? Oh, totally. When when I chat with some of these folks on the financial institution side or other venture funds, it I think it blows their Wait, mind. they really many, think it's all so swimmingly fantastic? It's I think people that people that know know how broken most of it is. But like the stat that we're still at sub 50% of folks in the U.S. getting treated in accordance with NCCN guidelines, which is evidence-based medicine. For we did a show with them. Listeners, check out the NCCN <laughs> show we did last year. That, that, that's nuts. Like that blows people's minds even that do know how broken the system is. Mm-hmm. How, is that, how is that possible? How are we still 
one out of two times not giving the right person the right chemo drug for them at the right time. It's a very unpopular, popular reality that the totally. healthcare system was designed by corporations and, and private sector interests. Mm -hmm. And it was fine through Truman and Eisenhower, but then all of a sudden these HMOs popped up after Nixon and, and Kaiser Permanente decided, oh, we're gonna make money off people that are sick. Mm -hmm. So why would we make them well if we can keep them sick? And that's not a conspiracy theory. That is the way the system is designed where the incentive is on the script and not the person. And yet the person's blamed if the script doesn't make money. Yes, so some of it is bone chilling. Like yeah. I, I, I've chatted with health plans, large national health plans, that when we talk to them, let's pick on early detection, they, when we talk to them about a potential solution in the space to solve for early detection and find it earlier, their reaction is that folks are only staying on their health insurance for sometimes 12, 18, 24 months. They're taking on a cost burden that wouldn't be their problem in two years if they didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Like that just, and but that's the way our healthcare insurance system is set up, and why I'm interested in doing a bit of international investing as well through, you know, the NHS, and there are a bunch of countries that have single payer systems where I actually think they're quite advanced in the way they think about early detection. Well, there's a misperception that just because your country provides different levels of service to the citizens, the care isn't as great, because there's this this odd balance between yes, the U.S. has some of the best care in the world, some of yes. the best tech in the world, some of the best data and startups in the world. Yeah, Israel's great and Japan's great, but you can't really compete with the US economy, even though, yeah, we spend, what, I'm gonna make these numbers up, 10 billion times more than every other country, mm -hmm. and our healthcare is total shit. But a lot of that 100 billion billion dollars goes to really cool shit that, unfortunately, people never get or can't afford. Yes, and that is, I've chatted with a few friends about this in depth where it's really a tale of two cities in the U.S. where you have the care that is available at Memorial Sloan Kettering where I was fortunate enough to be treated. The disparity between that care, innovation, access and what is happening in name your rural community, in name your you know state that doesn't get as much attention. It's unbelievable. The, the access just isn't there. <clears throat> Fly over America. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> All right. On that note, let's take a quick break with Ben Freeberg. We'll be right back. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. 
It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. So what was your biggest, I don't know, gestalt or zeitgeist moment when you realized that there's an entire universe of people that you may not have known you needed to know, mm-hmm. but that they're the faces of the people you want to help that you didn't know existed. Totally. So, so I think the, the step one in realizing that I should be launching this cancer-focused venture fund was I started meeting with a bunch of startups um, when I was at two jobs ago now. And it was amazing because they have their traditional deck where they have to spend the first four or five slides explaining what healthcare is in the U.S. Then they spend the next five slides talking about what cancer is in the US (laughs) and then they finally get to their business model and so when I was able to come into the room and say hey just skip skip to the end let's like have a real conversation it was it was unbelievable and it and it started that was I think step one of opening me up to this community where you kind of have to get let in yeah like you kind of have to prove that you actually it's a bit of a speakeasy totally you have to prove that you know what you're talking about and you know what the difficulties are for the implementation of an oncology solution in a health system. And once you're in, there are gatekeepers, like I, I think you and and others in the space that have been in it for so long where you just have to make sure you're finding the right kind of Sherpas to make sure you're going to the well, right I, folks. I, I think, you know, in the in the karmic way in which we met, I kind of I forget who we were sitting with, but she's like, do you know who you're talking to? I felt really validated. But, you know, I have a terrible privilege of being like this odd Kevin Bacon style, Lindsay Lohan, Regina George Burnbrook holding Gossip King of the entire sector. Just because I am. Do you have fans that could do fan art of you? I have had fan art. It's been really bizarrely intriguing. To have that done. How people view you. But it's, you know, I mean, not to lurch into a sidebar here, but becoming a public figure in a niche market is is awkwardly fantastic. Yeah. You are, you know, you're lauded and you're worshipped, but people don't know who I am. They know the image of me and what I've done career mm-hmm. professionally. I did that by choice, but I've taken advantage of something we both have instinctively, which is an appreciation of relationships. Yes. And you can't, that's not something you can, you can, you can, uh, like, like splatter together overnight. Yes. 25 years of relationships are living inside me now. 100%. And that's the most important thing that I've learned to manage. But I happen to be like, I'm chief moat officer mm-hmm. of pretty much all of healthcare and patient advocacy. I love that I am that person because then I help people not make the same mistakes, learn mostly who not to talk to first, <laughs> and then who maybe to talk to first. And I would love to manage that sort of... Um, that uh, what, what, that aperitif relationship. So that was the first email you sent me after we met um, was what got me really interested to like, get to know you better was everyone says, oh, you have this thing. I'm going to introduce you to X. And your first email to me was love what you're doing. I have a list of people that you sh- should not spend your time right. with up front. And it was just such an interesting backwards historically way of looking at you know let's let's be mindful let's make sure we're building this because it is it's a brand right like whether it's your personal brand or 
the fund or whatever else, and you want to make sure you're doing it with the right people. And cancer is an industry where I genuinely at my core hope that everyone succeeds because everyone that I've met is working on something that at the end of the day is trying to make cancer care more affordable, efficient, accessible. But there are some people, I think, doing that in more effective ways than others. All right. So what is your, I'll say it this way, what makes you a good arbiter of something interesting to look at and consider valuable besides the cancer card you carry? So I, I think the story that's resonating in the market is that I think I'm a rare mix of someone who's invested in it. So worked at a venture fund exclusively focused on um, healthcare. So that was Optum Ventures, so United Healthcare, largest insurer in the world, mm -hmm. bought Optum, more of a data services plan. They launched this venture fund. So being able to see it from that perspective through the lens of a large strategic mixed with the fact that I've helped build it. So I joined the team at TimeCare, um, incredible value-based care startup tackling oncology care. Right. And that's the spice, T-H-Y-M-E. Yes. Yes. Correct. Not the clock time. Yes. And so having the investing experience, seeing it through a strategic lens, having the operating experience, helping to build it mixed with the lived experience of being a cancer patient. I think all of that together has helped to allow me to say, hey, this is something that I think can be commercialized and scaled and implemented. And if not, here's how we actually might be able to be the value-add venture investor that can help them do so. So that's, that's I think, the short version of it. No, it's a good resume builder. Yeah. For sure. It's a good it, – that gets you through the moat. Yeah. You're in, right? Yeah. You, you've entered the moat. You're, you're, you don't enter the moat. You're over the moat. You're in the castle now. Thank you. You crossed, you crossed the moat. <laughs> my, we, we lost all the listeners. They're gone. <laughs> if my dad's still here, thanks, dad, for listening. So again, I, I look at things in a strategically cynical way because I like to be pleasantly surprised. Yes. It's a nice Jewish way to live. Yes. Right? And I, I start to think through this lens of nonprofit, patient advocacy, c consumer value, mm -hmm. not from who's making money, but what's the right thing to do. But in my experience with investors, and I, yes, I'll throw them under the bus, they don't give a shit. They want their money. So where do you blend purpose with profit? And is that a real thing? So it, it's such a good question. So two, two answers. One, the best advice starting out was find out as quickly as you can whether or not the person you're talking to is a story person, a number person, or a kind of why now person, and, and making sure that you don't want to pitch numbers to a story guy, and you don't want to pitch a story to someone that only cares about the data. So I, I tried, depending on your, if you're talking to a family office that's mainly just focused on impact, I walk through how all of the startups we're going to invest in are going to help save cancer patients' right. lives. And for the folks that are interested in the data and the numbers, I walk through the fact that it's 210 billion plus a spend growing at more than 12 to 14% annually. And here's the percentage we could take, et cetera. So that's how I think about going to market. And I, I think the, the other piece of it is that if you actually do this right, I think this is the perfect mix of doing well by doing good. And that was a little bit of my reflection before starting it. Out of all the things I could do with my life, the thing that I think will impact the most people and produce and generate the greatest financial return is this. So in my total naivete, ignorance, yes. and stupidity in this space, <laughs> who gives money to a venture for you to give their money away? 
<laughs> so, <laughs> and how do they trust you to do the right thing with their money? I, I, I've been. It's so funny because I'm for the first deal we did. I, I launched an SPV, special purpose vehicle. Thank you. I hate acronyms. Yeah. Okay. And um, I brought a lot of friends and family into it. And explaining venture, it like sounds like a little bit of a pyramid scheme, but it's not. It's it's essentially the the idea behind venture capital as an industry is that you are bringing in capital from whether it's family offices, institutions, endowments, there are groups that are fund to funds, which we could talk about as well. But how do you go and talk to these people who are capital allocators who want access to the private market? And so just essentially like think about the last like six to 12 months and what what's happened in the public market that have gone way down. Private markets, even though it's illiquid, you could argue if you get in at the right time, I think the next year is going to be one of the best times to invest in in the private sector. But I think that's why you're seeing the rise of specialized VC funds more and more is endowment X doesn't just want to give their money away to someone who's going to invest in private companies. They want to give their money to someone who is going to see every e-commerce deal and make sure that they are picking the best, most interesting e-commerce startups and have that access. Right. I'm going to channel the only language I know. Yes. Uh, so they're willing to sacrifice a 20x return for a 10x return in exchange for knowing that there's been social impact? Um, I don't think Did so. Did I say that right? Um, I I think one of the beauties, if I do this the right way, is I think our fund return will be just as good, if not better, than other folks in the space because we are hopefully going to pick the best startups in a, a market that is just growing like crazy, unfortunately, and has a ton of inefficiencies, and the best companies will win. Because it's tough to, you can't fake it in cancer care. So you're a shark tank of one, or who's your team? So as of me, as of now, it's just me. Um, as um, the founding partner, I just brought on my first two advisors. Um, one was the chief medical officer of United Healthcare. Um, he did that for about 11 years, and then he built out their oncology division. Um, he actually wrote the first value-based care bundle in wow. oncology care, um, oncologist by training. And then we have another advisor that just signed on, the CEO of One Oncology, mm -hmm. um, large private oncology group that I think is one of the more innovative ones in value-based care. He sits on the board of Community Oncology Alliance, a few of those folks um, also practicing oncologists. So we're we're trying to fill my gaps, <laughs> which is I did not go to med school. Right. Um, I'm bringing someone on the pharma side, even though we're not investing in drugs or therapeutics. Really helpful to know how that plays and how we could actually, whether it's we invest in a company that's infrastructure to support drug development or clinical trial access or specialty pharma things like that. And then I'll probably bring on someone that has built and scaled an institutional venture fund. Those are a lot of syllables, but I think yeah. I understood most of it. Yeah. All right. As we round out the show, uh, any one or two surprises you've run into in terms of who you think would be a decent investment that maybe others would turn a blind eye to? So the way I broke down my investing thesis is I'm actually I'm doing thesis based within oncology. So I have now 16 different investment themes, whether it's survivorship, evidence-based medicine, clinical trial access. So um, there were a few of those areas that I actually think are white spaces where I'm chatting with some incubation partners on some pretty interesting stuff. So there are a few that I'll be able to hopefully share soon. But it's 
it's this idea where I don't think you necessarily should or can charge the end patient because 40% of patients are going broke during cancer treatment. But how do you bring them into the journey, empower them, and use them as their advocate to go to right. market and get in the door? Not make them feel like tokens like all the platforms I've been exactly. very vocal about for many, many years. You yes. know who you are. <laughs> Stop doing it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Final thoughts. Um, yes. Tell me a joke. So, so I'm working on this bit right now about um, spam, spammers. So I don't know if you noticed this, but now whenever you get a spam call, the f area code matches your area code. Mm. And I don't know what they're thinking. Like, hey, like, you think Ben will think this is like his high school crush finally calling him back? And I think what they realized, and I don't know if you're seeing this now too, but they've increased the amount of similar digits in the phone number. So now my first seven digits match theirs. Oh boy. And they're just like, I, what are the things going to happen that I'm going to pick up the phone and be like, oh my God, that looks like my number. That might be me calling. <laughs> that might be me calling me from the future. And then what do they want you to do when you answer? <laughs> so to, to do research for this joke, I finally picked up and they were like, Hi, is this Ben? I was like, yeah, hi, who is this? They're like, I'm so sorry, sir. We've actually never gotten this far in the process. <laughs> Can you hold on one second? So I'm, I'm working on that bit, but it's I think that'll be fun. Like in the Simpsons movie when they find, like the NSA, the NSA finally found somebody! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bring in the boss. Yes. Yeah. Well done, well done. Yeah. Well, all right, Ben Freeberg, actually, before you go, yes. I'm going to tell you, my, so my daughter yes. is 12. She's a dad joke like lunatic. Amazing. And this is the joke she told me this morning. What do you call a belt made of clocks? Time bomb. A waste of time. Nice. Try the veal, folks. <laughs> ben Freeberg, managing partner of College Ventures, a one testicle phenomenon, a good looking Jew. Girls, let me know. I know where he lives. We'll see you next time. Ben, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is an Offscript Health production. The executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. It's mixed and edited by Kyle Moore. If you like the show, ratings and reviews are always welcome. Leave us a message anytime at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855-AUDIO-66 to share your healthcare shitness with us. And we might just play them on the air on a future episode. For more information about this show and Offscript Health, visit offscript.com. That's offscript, no T, dot com. <laughs>